Hey there, and welcome back to the Food Biz Whiz podcast. Today, we are talking all about hiring, and I am joined by my guest, Cindy Harvey. Cindy is a hiring expert, a leadership coach, and the founder of Amelia D., a company that helps entrepreneurs find, evaluate, and hire the right talent for their growing teams. We have used Cindy here at Food Biz Whiz to help us with our two most recent hires, And I realized that we have been hiding one of our best kept secrets from our audience. So in today's show, you are going to learn about Cindy's hiring process, including the how, the when, the why to hire, plus a little bit of tough love around what it can cost you when you make the wrong hiring decisions. Let's get right into it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Hey, before we jump in, I want to make sure that you've grabbed my free retail roadmap, a workbook that outlines my nine steps to building a brand that flies off the shelf. If you're a producer of a packaged product in the food industry, you are going to want this. I'll add it to today's show notes, so make sure you check out that PDF when you're done listening. Thanks. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you, Allie. I'm so excited to uh, to be here and chat with you all about hiring, one of my favorite things. So thank you for having me. Of course. I'm really excited too. And so my whizzes, like I said in the intro, we have used Cindy to help us with our two most recent hires. First, our student success coordinator, that's Gabby. And secondly, our marketing and communications lead, that is Abigail. And it goes without saying that we have been so thrilled with both of these hiring decisions. Thank you very much, Cindy. A big, big thank you to you. And I know how much anxiety there is around hiring. I had it too, frankly. So I wanted to bring, Cindy, I wanted to bring you into the show to talk about some of the high level stuff around hiring. But before we get into that, let's learn, let's learn a little bit more about you, Cindy. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. Okay. So your own career, I know this, had a few different steps along the way before you you know, became this hiring expert and this career coach. And I know it started with about 15 years working in HR. So I'm really curious about what made you take that, that big leap of your own and move away from working in, in corporate, if you will. And how did you start working for yourself? Yeah, no, thank you for that question, Allie. It's, um, there's always a story, right? <laughs> so actually, that, that's an interesting point. Like one of the things that I really love about my work is that I'm super, super curious about the career decisions that people make and how they choose path A and then path B and path C and so on. And so for me, um, like you said, I did spend 15 years in corporate, always in HR. That's, uh, that's yeah. been my, my career path right from the beginning. Um, and progressed, you know, to various leadership roles on the HR side of things, and then got more specialized in recruiting. 
And then got to a point where it just didn't feel like what I wanted to do anymore. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was the right place for me to really make the, the type of contribution that I wanted to make. So I decided to not go back. <laughs> and honestly, didn't know what I was going to do. I, I really yeah. didn't know what I was going to do next. But um, I knew that I had this great you know, background in HR and, um, and I didn't want to, to not use that, you know, I felt that it was, it was super valuable and I had great experiences. I always like to say that I, I was, I've been on the inside. So I want to be able to teach people, you know, what happens inside the vault and, yes. and help them and give them tools to be able to know how to navigate their, their careers. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I started was I started doing resume writing. Mm-hmm. you know, of, uh, of all things. And, um, didn't love that too much. It was just too, too small of a slice of the career story for me. Yeah. Um, and then my, my business started to evolve and I got my first client, which was a referral and my network worked for me to help me to start my business. And, um, yeah, I started to, to advise and guide clients on how to navigate career transitions and changes they wanted to make in their careers um, and now I really focus on helping primarily women who are still in corporate to get off of career plateaus once they've built a successful career and they get to a point where they're not quite sure what to do next. Um, I help them to figure out how to brand and position and sell themselves for their next opportunity. Yeah, I love this, Cindy. And I'm actually going to ask you, so so I've got two questions here. First yeah. off, this is off script, but did you use, I know you do a lot of this transition coaching and the leadership coaching. Did you use a career coach yourself when you decided to leave corporate or did you just start your business, start this after realizing that this was something that you could have really valued when you made that transition? Yeah, that's a great question. So at at the point where I decided to start my business, I, I did not, I just I'm kind of like that. I just decide and I'll figure it out <laughs> as I go, which sometimes works great, sometimes not so great. Yeah. But along my career journey, a thousand percent, I've I've worked with coaches many, many times over the years. And it's always been something, you know, from a leadership perspective and from an overall career perspective, it's always been something that I've found valuable, you know, to be able to have someone to give you another angle when you're in the weeds of things, you can't always see, you know, what's going on or your role in it as well, I think becomes very cloudy. And so, um, so yeah, definitely I've used it in my own career and now I can help other women do the same thing as well as, you know, people like yourself, Ellie, which was super fun to work together, you know, from a hiring perspective, you know, I've done tons and tons of that kind of work as well. Um, and I think when you're in the, in the weeds of your business, it's really hard to be able to see, you know, what do I actually need to take my business to that next place? Yeah. All of the, the, those eyes, you know, those kind of points of view and those vantage points come into play, whether it's on the career coaching side or um, on the hiring side of things to be able to get the best outcome at the end of the day. Yeah. And Cindy, I'm, I'm kind of laughing over here because I don't know if you remember this, but one of the, one of the things that I found so valuable in working with you to, to do those past two hires were that I would come into that, that onboarding, like um, exploratory call with you thinking that I needed or wanted one thing. Mm -hmm. And you, you would really like 
poke me and prod me and ask me these, frankly, these tough questions about my business and where we were going and what I truly, truly needed mm-hmm. that um, I certainly wouldn't have, have gotten if I had just DIY'd my hiring. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely remember that. And <laughs> that's something that I think is so, so critical to, to the process mm-hmm. um, when you're trying to figure out that's one of the key things, like who exact, who is this person? Cause they don't exist in real life yet. They're just a thought in your mind. And again, you know, with all of the things that, you know, busy entrepreneurs have going on on a day-to-day basis, they don't often take the time to step back or don't know the right questions to ask themselves. And that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm really good at doing is kind of getting to the root of the thing to figure out. So what exactly are we really looking for here? So yeah, absolutely. I remember us having good conversations about that. And that's what helps to create the right match between the role that you're looking for and the person that we find. Yeah. And I think even with, with both of the hires with you, we ended up creating a role that was different, slightly Mm. different than I originally thought, which Mm. in, in hindsight, ended up working really well for our organizational structure. Yes. So Cindy, let's let's talk about hiring and we can certainly use my experience with you as as a example and a and a guide here. And one of the things that really surprised me when we started working together that I think is important to talk about is the timeline for mm-hmm. the hiring process. Mhm. When you work with clients or even just seeing hiring in general, what should our listeners expect from a, a timeline? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's just, that's always, I think as a hiring managers want it yesterday <laughs> and the recruit us, the recruiters who are doing the recruiting, you know, we have to really be realistic, I think about, you know, the, the type of time that it takes. Mm-hmm. So I would say this, I would say that what's really important when we're thinking about timing is you know, we, before we get into the actual recruiting process of posting the job and screening and all of that stuff, there's a really important upfront process like we were just talking about to help us get clear on the role. Mm. And sometimes that can take a few iterations and a few conversations. So that's kind of phase one is, is the, the definition of the role. Then we go into the actual hiring process which is posting, screening, you know, sometimes doing direct sourcing where we're reaching out to find the right candidates, depending on the the type of role. Then we get into the assessment, which is always the fun part for me. (laughs) We have a short list and we're doing interviews and we're doing, you know, kind of assignments and so on. And then we get to the offer phase, which is something I think sometimes we overlook is that, you know, you're extending an offer, but the other person is also considering whether that's the right offer for them. So all of those pieces, I typically say, give yourself a good minimum 60 days to go through that full process. I'd probably say a little bit longer if this is your very first hire and you haven't gone through any of that thought process before, or you haven't interviewed before. Sometimes, you know, you need a little bit of time to get yourself up to speed. So somewhere between 60 and 90 days is probably a good, uh, a good benchmark. Yeah. And Cindy, I'm sure that you just terrified some of our listeners who are like, Cindy, <laughs> really? 60 to 90 days. Like I needed someone mm. yesterday. Like I am just drowning in my day to day. Like I don't have mm-hmm. 60 days to, to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably said that to mm-hmm. you when I <laughs> hired you, Cindy, admittedly, yeah. I think that, 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 um, on paper, that timeline feels like a really long time. Mm-hmm. 
So what would you say to someone who feels like they're just so in the weeds that they, they, maybe they don't even have time to write a job description or they don't have time to think about hiring, but their day-to-day is just so in the weeds, putting out fires, <laughs> the left and right. How do they move beyond that, that overwhelm in order to take that first step in hiring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's another great question. The first thing that comes to my mind, to be honest with you, Ali, is, is to decide. You know, mm-hmm. decide that the way that you're doing things isn't serving you, isn't serving your business, isn't serving your customers, you know, isn't serving the development of your product, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that that's where it all starts is, is with a, a decision or some awareness and recognition that, you know, I need to do something different here. Yeah. And, um, and then from there, it's about carving out space, like with anything, probably carving out space and time. And I'd say getting support as well. Like, you know, we were just talking about it. I think it's, it's hard. It's hard to do it on your own and, and to get the clarity that you need to be able to make the right decision. So to me, everything starts with, uh, with, a, with a choice and, yeah. you know, that choice being, yeah, it's something, something needs to give here. Uh, that's, that's really great advice. It feels, it's so simple when you say it, but making mm. that decision can, can, it really, it, it's, it's where the path splits. You either stay in yeah. that overwhelm or you start to find the solution for it. Exactly. Cindy, I, I remember that when I debated hiring you, it, you know, to be completely transparent, obviously, like I had to pay you to mm-hmm. work with me mm-hmm. <laughs> to make these hires. Right. And I remember thinking like, should I make this investment in mm-hmm. my business? Should I just hire myself? Should mm-hmm. I just do it? I know I can, you know, I know how to write quote unquote, write a job post. I know how to post it online. Like I know mm-hmm. how to interview. I've done this in past roles. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that was really valuable to me was being accountable to you, Cindy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and having you hold me to deadlines of reviewing the job description and reviewing the applicants and putting down, finding time in my calendar to interview. Mm-hmm. And for me, hiring hiring you, paying you was putting that stake in the ground of saying, you know, I am... I'm willing to put like money where my mouth is and make this decision happen. Mm-mm. Oh, I can't mm. thank you enough. You're so welcome. It was, it was fun. It's fun for me too, to do this work. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to support you and support your business yeah. and find you the right people. So it's yeah. uh, it's a good time all around. Totally. So Cindy, <laughs> is there that like one sign that, that people have, have in their business that it is time to hire? Hmm. Yeah, like the the first thing that pops to my mind is, you know, when we're seeing bottlenecks, right, where where we're the bottleneck, I think, in a lot of cases, especially if our business is smaller, maybe it's just us, or we've got one other person or something like that. And we're finding that we're plateauing, or things are getting stuck, and things aren't moving forward as quickly as they as they could. To me, that that's a pretty clear sign of um, of a need to switch things up, add someone, add someone in the right place. I think as well is something to to really consider of, of what kind of hire do I need to make right now, and looking at where we're having those bottlenecks. I think can be a really clear indicator of um, of where that place is, and making sure that we're making the right call on that front. 
Right. Because if they're dropping balls left and right or not, I think about it through the lens of this packaged food producer, if they're not able to make enough product or they're not able to make their deliveries or they don't have someone who is marketing their product once they get it on the shelf, if they are that solopreneur who's doing everything, inevitably at some point, the balls drop. Exactly. Exactly. And and I'll I'll say this. I don't know if you remember saying this to me, but it's a it's a tip that I keep in my mind as well for myself personally in my own business, but with mm-hmm. the clients that I'm working with. When we got um, we were working on this your second hire, and we had two potential people, <laughs> and you you the question you asked yourself was, "What does the business need right now?" And I just thought. Ali, you don't even need me. Like, you're, you're good. <laughs> you know what, you know, to me, that right question to ask in that moment when we're trying to figure out is it profile A or profile B, person A, person B, I think that's a really brilliant question of um, you're thinking about where you are in your career journey, your business journey right now, where are you looking to go and having that future, you know, vision as well. And that, you know, decision point of what does the business need right now? And that to me helps make the decision that much easier to make when you have that, that question, you know, top of mind. Yeah, I do remember that because, and, you know, uh, in full transparency, Abigail does some of the like post-production editing of this episode. So hi, Abigail, I know you're (laughs) listening to this right now. Um, It, it came down to Abigail and another candidate and both were really fantastic candidates who would have taken our business in two different directions. Right. And Cindy, it was, it was a hard choice because they were, they were so different. Mm -hmm. And I could have seen either one of them working in a, you know, obviously in a different capacity. And I think Cindy, what we concluded was we'll go out and find a a similar candidate as to candidate B in, Mm -hmm. in the future for our business. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cindy, what about, I'm sure you get this question now. What about right now when hiring feels hard, right? The workforce has changed you know, because of COVID, we feel like people don't want to or have shifted their relationship to work. Mm-hmm. And particularly for our founders who often are looking for in-person mm-hmm. workers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when when we're looking for production shifts or delivery shifts or, you know, boots on the ground types shifts, mm-hmm. it can feel particularly hard to hire. Mm-hmm. Do you have any words of motivation for mm-hmm. our founders who are who are trying to hire and just don't feel like they have the right candidates coming in the door because mm. of um, some of the changes that that COVID's put in place for us. Mm. Yeah, I love I love I love all your questions. I keep saying this is a great question. But really it's a great question. It's very timely, I think, with uh, with what's happening in the in the labor market right now. Um, and my view of it, of of hiring in general, is that there's always the right people out there. So I don't really personally hold that as as a block in my mind. I think, you know, they're out there. It's a matter of me doing the right things to get in front of the right people. Mm. So I think a big part of hiring is that, you know, I think the the companies or the hiring managers can sometimes tend to think that, you know, they, they being the candidate, they need to prove themselves to me. And sure, there's that assessment that, you know, you as the hiring manager, you as the the food founder are trying to find the right person and they need to tell you that they're the right person. But really the the other side of it, which I think helps with um, attracting the right people as well, 
is that you as the business, you also need to sell yourself to those, those candidates and those applicants. It is a mutual decision you know, on both sides. It's not just you making a decision of who you want to bring in, but they're also making a decision about where they want to take their career next. And so being really clear about your, your values is, I think, a, a super fantastic exercise to go through um, because then what happens is you're not just trying to attract someone in terms of the skills that they have or the experience or the education and those kind of tangible things, but you're also trying to make a, an emotional connection with someone. And that happens through shared values. And once you have your shared values infused with your vision, then you get someone who will be loyal for you for a really, really long time. So to me, that that's, I think, a piece that, that tends to be missing is realizing that um, you also need to sell yourself to, to these people. Mm-hmm. And you getting super clear on what is it really like to work here on a day-to-day cultural basis and how does that show up in you know real life, so to speak, and being able to translate that, I think that that can be a real game changer and and realizing that the people are out there. You just gotta position yourself in the right way. Yeah. And so now I see why you're saying this hiring process could take 60 to 90 days because you start on day one, mm-hmm. you sit down to write the job description. And you're like, oh, shoot, this job description is so boring. Or, you know, why am I not getting any candidates back? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it's because we've got to do some some vision and values work to like zhuzh up that that job description, right? Absolutely. Yes. Mm. I so I hear that a lot, right? Like the people aren't out there. The people don't want to don't want to come into work. Don't don't want to physically work um, or work, you know, in a in a physical location. And I love this tidbit that we just need to sell ourselves as much as you know. Try to get the candidates to sell themselves to us as well. So in the job description. Right. We we articulated in the job description. Where else would we articulate our company culture or our, or our values to these candidates? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I think there's lots of ways to do it. Um, I would definitely say in, in the job description or job posting, as you mentioned, Ali, is a mm-hmm. is a natural place for it to be. Yep. Um, I think about it. If I were a candidate and I came across your posting, what I would do is I'd first pop to your website, I'd check your mm-hmm. socials, and I'd look for, you know, is is what you're saying in the posting actually live somewhere in your own assets? You know, are you are you sharing a, a diversity pledge? Are you sharing as, as you did, which I think was just brilliant. And we actually saw that in your hiring process, Ali, where um, some of the candidates would say to me, oh, you know, I saw Ali's diversity pledge on her website. And, you know, and they would really appreciate that you have something that's outside of the posting, that's your own business and tied to your own business. So I, I would say, make sure that whatever you're doing or what you stand for is is publicly um, is publicly facing on your own website and your social platforms. I think another place that's really important is as you're getting into assessing the candidates is to make sure you have some questions or some some ways of assessing, you know, their values and do they actually fit what I'm looking for, right? Do I fit what they're looking for? So through the interview process. And I think a lot of it to me is just really listening, you know, being really curious about the person on the other side of that conversation and and asking questions, having a conversation with them, talking to them, getting to know who they are as people, what, you know, what their life is like. And, you know, you don't want it in an interview. You don't want to take that too, too far, Mm. but you do also need to create enough of a space where 
you make that human to human connection. Is that that really to me at the end of the day is what hiring and work and careers and business is really all about. It's about relationships. And so using that interview setting as a way to, um, to foster that. And if you decide to hire that person, then you've already built that foundation for day one and beyond once they actually start with your organization. So, um, so those are some, some ways that you can do it. And I think it's really, really important because candidates look for it. And, you know, the, the one, the companies who have done a, you know, a good enough job of communicating that and also sharing that it's an evolution and, you know, we're learning as we go here too. I think that's fine to say. Those are the ones that get, uh, get attention. Yeah. Well, it was such a light bulb moment for me, Cindy, that your job description can't say, should not say one thing, you know, here are all the values that we stand for. Here's, here's, you know, our company as a whole, here's where we're going. And then if you're, your public company profile, whether that's your socials or your website or your signature and your email, whatever it it is, if it isn't in line with what you're saying on your job description, your candidates can see through that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, one way to, I might think about it for your audience in particular, Ali, is it when you're recruiting, you it's, it's marketing, that's what you're doing. The, you know, the, the product, so to speak, is the job. And, you know, you've got these buyers who are these candidates. It's it's a very similar thought process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you wouldn't have uh, your label on your on your product, say something different than the website, say something different than, you know, whatever uh, other marketing tools that you use. Like it's it's the same line of thinking. There's got to be a straight line between, you know, what you say and what you do. So I know yeah. that would help, but that, that's what you think about it. That's such a clear connection, especially because when people come into retail ready, we talk about that, right? That, that oftentimes brands come in, Cindy, when they're, you know, younger and mm-hmm. they don't have that common thread through all of the pieces of their brand. So we get in there and we tidy it all up. And I love thinking about it's the same exact process that you would do when you jump into that, that hiring process, that like 100%. cleaning it all up. Yeah. So Cindy, you made me think of two things that I want to ask you about. Yeah. First off, you talked about hiring both for the skills and the experience that that candidate might bring to the table, but then you also mentioned personality. And I'm really curious about how we make the decision on which to prioritize in the hiring process. Mm. That's a good question. My goodness. Okay. So the place where I would start. So if I'm thinking about the hiring process, right, typically there's a few phases. You've got um, a posting that usually leads to an application with mm-hmm. which is two, two dimensional questions. And then we would typically have um, some kind of um, assessment of some kind. And then we go to interviews and offer. So the way that I think about it is if you're filtering through candidates, really the baseline is can they do the job? (laughs) Do they have what's required? You can have someone with a great personality, but if they don't have the experience to be able to deliver the results that you're looking for, then there's no point. Right. So I would start with getting clear on what the requirements for the job are. I look at it typically from three angles in terms of um, the, uh, the actual responsibilities of the role the experience required, and then education or, you know, designations and licenses, if there's those types Mm -hmm. of things. But those are kind of the three big categories I would look at in terms of this this pure skill set. Do they have the experience to be able to create the results that I'm looking for in this position? Mm -hmm. That's where I would start and filter out or filter in from on that level. 
Gotcha. And list, then we go to, do they fit from a culture, from a personality perspective? Right. And even if it's, if it's an entry-level job, the, the requirements might not be lots of experience, right? Yeah. It, it might be something that we can train and at least we know that from the beginning. So then the, the, can they do the job is a little bit easier to say yes to knowing that you're willing to do the training, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I would say that if it's someone who's like earlier in their career or more entry level kind of junior level position where the person doesn't have, you know, five, six, 10 years of experience, like that's of course, totally cool. I think in those cases, what I would check for is, um, is their thought process around say being able to solve a problem Mm. or if, if, if it's not so much about asking how did they do this in their past, it's how would they do this if they're in this kind of situation? I would shift the focus of the questions to what they would do, which helps you to understand their thought process. If they don't have hard experience to say, this is how I've done this in the past. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that's brilliant. That makes so much sense, especially when it's that that younger candidate who just simply doesn't have the career experience to, to speak mm-hmm. to all of the scenarios that they possibly have been in. So Cindy, my next question for you is really around the interview process. And okay. I I'll say you are, I mean, obviously you're so great at interviewing and you asked some really, really tough questions in, mm. in our interview process. I actually wish that we could have Gabby and Abigail come <laughs> on the podcast and tell us <laughs> what it was like to be on the other side of the table being interviewed yeah. by you, Cindy. But um, one of the questions that you asked, I think we did this potentially both for Abigail and Gabby's position, but was really figuring out alignment with our values. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that you asked was if someone posted or responded on our social media, do you remember this? I do. Yeah. So you said, if someone wrote back on Allie's Instagram, all lives matters, all lives matter, like, what would you say? Mm -hmm. And do you remember some of our candidates Mm -hmm. just, (laughs) just froze and others had, you know, others had, you know, answers that we agreed with and others had answers that, you know, led us down a path that, you know, Mm -hmm. we didn't really know that we were going to go down. And (laughs) it was, it was really, really interesting. But Cindy, my question here is how do you design the tough interview questions? Mm -hmm. And then how do you have the courage to ask them of your candidates? Such a good question, Allie. Oh, I love this. So, so here's what I would say. So personally, um, I would say that interviewing is is probably my f- most favorite part of the process besides actually telling the right person that they're the one that we want to hire because yeah. they're all happy and excited. Yeah. And everybody feels good. So it's a feel good moment. But I, I personally really love the interview process because it... Um, it pers- for me personally, it just gives me the opportunity to, to connect with people, which is something I'm, I'm really good at doing. Um, and so as far as how do I choose my questions, I don't know if I have a good answer for you, to be honest. It's, okay. it's, I've just done this for a long time and, um, and it's my experience that I think comes to, comes to the table. What I will say, though, with a question like um, the All Lives Matter one that we, that we used is that I can maybe explain where that came from sure. to add a little bit of insight. Yeah. 
So where that came from was, first of all, I, I just know from working with you, Ali, and kind of seeing and hearing what matters to you, I know that that matters to you. And not I, all lives matter. Right. <laughs> idea of how someone feels about that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to, to your philosophy yeah. and you, what you stand for. Yeah. And I know that, and this is kind of what we were talking about before in terms of just getting really clear on what are your values? Like yeah. what's in and what's out, what's okay and what's not okay. And I know that in your case, if someone, depending on how someone chose to answer that question would really make or break their relationship and their success with you in your business. Yeah. So I knew that like we had to find a way to to get a question around, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of topic into the process. So that that was one thing is is knowing what matters and what doesn't matter um, for you as the the owner and the leader of the business. Yeah. The the second thing that that I thought about is I don't typically for for an area like that, I know that it can be something that's that's sensitive. It's kind of a you know personal thing, you know, yeah. in, in cases. So in in a topic like like diversity and so on, I may not ask a direct question that way. I oftentimes use questions that um, kind of go through the side door <laughs> to get to the to get to the answer that I'm looking for. Um, and in in that case, like we wanted to get a sense of how these candidates felt about you know the Black Lives Matter movement and diversity in in, in general, and asking a direct question that way could sometimes put someone off. Yeah, right, and maybe make a defense go up or put someone's guard up, and then that kind of just derails my whole interview and and yeah. and makes them not comfortable speaking freely, which is the exact opposite of what I want to do. Mm. So, um, so I would ask it kind of in a side door kind of way, but still really get to the point of what I'm wanting to get to. I think another thing that comes to my mind around that is the, the rapport, like building rapport in, in the interview specifically, but all the way through the process from the, the tone of the, of the posting to the type of questions that you ask in the application to the communication and emails that you have, like all of that is part of your branding and it creates a tone and it creates a feeling and experience, maybe is a better word, um, between you as the company and the candidate. So and I'm very, very conscious of that kind of thing, like responding to emails, as simple as it may sound, the same way that you would respond to a customer who emailed mm-hmm. you, you've got to respond to these candidates because it forms an impression. Yeah. So I think by the time we get to an interview, um, right at the beginning, you know, I do, I think, a good job of creating a rapport with, with the candidate, making sure that you're part of that conversation as well. And then guards are down and people speak freely. So I think that's another really important point. And kind of the last thing that I'll say there is not having any judgment. You know, Mm. everyone's entitled to feel how they feel. You know, you as the company, you have your preferences. The candidate has their life experience, which creates their own, you know, view of the world. I have my own personal one. And in that interview process is not the time to pass a judgment or to say that's wrong or I'm right or whatever the case may be. Really, what we're all we're trying to do is to learn. We're just trying to learn, you know, what they believe, what matters to them, and to see whether there's a match. Mm, I love that, Cindy. Nobody gets to be wrong in the interview. It's just about finding the right match for our company. Exactly. Mm. Okay, I've got two questions before I let you go. Yeah. First off, do you have a go-to question that you ask in every interview? Mm, 
Yeah. Okay. So I have probably a few. So one of the, one of the ones that I almost always start with is, um, is I, I ask them to tell me what, based on their understanding of the role, what they've read on the posting or research that they've done based on their understanding of the role, I want them to describe the job to me. I usually start there. That to me is a, gives me a good sense of, do they get it? <laughs> do, do they know what they're walking into? Have they read it? You know, are they prepared? And all of those, I think, are signs for how they will show up on day one, two, three, and beyond if they're, if they're actually in the job. Yes. So I almost always start with that question. And if, say, you and I are working together, I'll ask the candidate will share, you know, whatever they picked up. And then I think that then creates a really good opportunity for you as the hiring manager and the business owner, Ali, to, to share with them what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I remember this, Cindy. And we had some candidates when you would ask them, you know, like describe what you think the job is. Some of them would just <laughs> describe something that was completely different than yeah. what we were expecting, mm-hmm. um, which which allowed the opportunity for me, like you said, Cindy, for you to invite me in and clarify yeah. what we were expecting from mm-hmm. from the role. And either they were like, oh, yes, of course, like that sounds even better. Or yeah. uh, we realized that it wasn't the right fit right off the bat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. so yeah, that that's a kick, kick off go to question that I, like I said, almost always start with. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'd say, too, that I think is really, really important and sometimes can feel awkward um, is talk about money. <laughs> you know, let's talk about the money. Like, obviously they're not there because they're good looking and, you know, you have a nice, nice dress that day yes. they're there to work. And obviously there's an exchange of cash flow that happens. And so I think I like to get that out of the way during the interview and not wait till we get to an offer. And, you know, then there's different expectations or whatever the case may be. I tend to ask it in the application really upfront too, but I always want to talk about it and make sure that things have been changed. I'm not making assumptions. They're not making assumptions. And then if we get to the offer with that person, like that bridge has already been crossed. Mm. Everything's clear. Nothing's, you know, left unsaid and we can have a really clean offer process and they can say yes without hesitation. So ask about the money, (laughs) ask about the money. And this, you know, again, Cindy was a great advantage of, of having you at my side for these interviews, you led the process, you know, through and through, but in these interviews, you really led the interview process and you were able to bring up, you know, all sorts of topics that I may or may not have been comfortable doing on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one, one thought to add on that too, Ali, with um, a scenario I remember in one of the hires that we worked on together was someone, I think on your social had applied and then they DM'd you directly yep. to try to, you know, kind of make a connection mm-hmm. and having, you know, me as a, you know, a neutral third party help to pull you out of that process yeah. and help to pull, you know, create fairness, which is really important and let you be neutral throughout the whole process. So I think that's another advantage and something to think about as well. Absolutely. Because we, I mean, we, I think for Gabby's position, we had over 300 candidates. We had yeah. Yeah. so many candidates and I was getting DMs and emails and friends of friends and all of those things. And we really wanted to create an equitable process mm-hmm. for all. Mm-hmm. So Cindy, that's actually the a perfect lead in for the last question that I have for yeah. you. And we've alluded to it on this podcast, but really this idea of creating equity in the food industry and making mm-hmm. sure that we are creating these, these systems for hiring that are equitable and encouraging a diverse set of candidates through mm-hmm. our doors in the first place. Do you have any 
any tips or things that you can offer for our founders who are looking to support that mission of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the food industry and how they can go about it, starting with the hiring process? Mm, Love that. Love that question. So again, the first thing that comes to my mind is to decide, you know, decide that that is something that matters to you and decide that that is something that is important for you um, to have top of mind throughout your hiring process. I think that that's first and foremost. The the second thing that I'd say is to, um, I typically do this as well as part of processes that I'm facilitating is to state that very clearly up front that you are open to and welcome and invite people from all walks of life. And I, I personally lay it out very specifically from race or, you know, sexual orientation or religion or whatever those, those things are that feel important for you is that we're, we are openly welcoming people from these diverse backgrounds to be part of our process. And we'd love to have you apply. So again, just being very public about what your stance is, what you stand for and what you don't. I think that goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the third thing that I'd say as well is just be um, two more things come to mind. So one is be very intentional about where you share the job posting. Okay. And I think go beyond sometimes you have to go beyond the traditional, you know, job boards and things like that to be able to invite a diverse candidate pool into your process. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that is really important. Um, and then I had one other point that just flew out of my head. Oh my <laughs> God. It was so, so good. I don't know. I, I've lost it, but, uh, but I think those are three really, really good ones that I think um, yeah. will help you to, to expand. Oh, I remember what it is. Okay. will help you expand <laughs> beyond, you know, maybe the, the traditional candidate pool. Um, the, the other point that I'll say too, is sometimes you have to go out and find them. Yeah. Right. And that yeah. that's okay too, is doing some direct outreach you know, LinkedIn is a great platform to be able to to do that and make connections with people who, you know, you can see what their experience is like. And if they match on that level and they maybe come from a diverse background, sometimes you have to be proactive and going out and finding those folks and inviting them directly into your process as well. So so recruit them. Yeah. Yeah, Great. Oh, Cindy, I could talk to you all day long. I know. (laughs) Hiring, hiring is such a big topic and you were just so easy to talk to and such a wealth of knowledge. And again, I just can't thank you enough for the, the two wonderful, wonderful hires that you allowed us to make here at Food Biz Wiz in 2021. It was uh, such a game changer for our business, Cindy. So Mm. thank you for that. Cindy, where can people find you? Where can they keep in touch with you? Yeah. Thank you for letting me share a little bit about that as well, Ali. So I would say the best place to to connect with me is um, jump over to Instagram. I'm at at Cindy Harvey online is my, uh, my Instagram handle. And if you're interested in having some support around hiring, or you just want to connect, like feel free to send me a DM there or follow me or make a connection. And I'd uh, be happy to, uh, to have a chat. Fantastic. So we will obviously link that in the show notes as well as all of the other information from today's episode. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to hear if you have the opportunity to help some food founders with their next hire. Thank you for having me, Ali. It was a lot of good fun and uh, I'm happy to support your your community however I can. So, um, So thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. So there you have it, my whizzes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. Isn't Cindy wonderful? 
I want to know what you think. After listening to this episode, do you have a better sense of the how and the when and the first steps of hiring? I am betting it's a yes. So again, I'd love to continue the conversation with you and cheer you on as you grow your team. So come and join us in the Food Biz Whiz Facebook group linked here in the show notes and continue the conversation. Have a good one and I'll see you next week. Bye. Instead of having a sponsor for today's episode, I want to give you a freebie, my retail roadmap. This roadmap is essential for anyone launching or growing a packaged food product, as it clearly outlines the difference between creating a product line that flies off the retail shelf versus one that just sits there. Find my free retail roadmap linked in today's show notes. You are going to love it. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.